Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to another Larry Huck Ministries podcast. We pray this teaching will fill you with God's wisdom, anointing, and revelation knowledge. Thank you for your prayers and faithful support. What an awesome God we serve, amen? You know, um, we were supposed to be on vacation until, until this week, and uh, when we were up in Colorado, um, I got a phone call and asked if I would come over to New York and then over to Brooklyn to meet with President Trump. And so I went over there, and while we were there, there was just a, a, a couple, a few of us in a room, and then we had a meeting with... Um, uh, Newt Gingrich, and we had a meeting with uh, Kelly Shackelford, who is just a brilliant, brilliant man on the legalities of the church, religious freedom, and with Ambassador Friedman, who was America's ambassador to Israel. And it was just a, a fascinating, fascinating uh, meeting. But in the meeting, there were some startling things that came about. Thank you, brother. There were some startling things that came about, and I'm not allowed to talk to, to you about them right now, but in the natural, you would think, man, our world is in a mess. In the natural, you would think that. This last Wednesday, we had, um, we had uh, Dr. Um, Bartlett, Dr. Bartlett, and we were talking about, and I just heard in the back, I haven't seen this, but I heard in the back that that TSA at the airport is getting ready to implement um, COVID restrictions again, where you have to wear a mask and you have to have a card to get on the plane and all this stuff. And we're talking about this on Wednesday. And why would they be doing this? Well, they're already talking about the next pandemic, the, the bird flu, and uh, getting us ready for the next thing. And all of this is about preparing the world for a one world government. All of this is preparing the world for the Antichrist. So when you look at these things and you hear about these things in the natural, it would frighten you. But God says, I've not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. So we need to think not the way the world wants us to think. We need to think the way God says to think. Now, in ancient Hebrew, there's no word for what? There's no word for coincidence. And so as I was preparing this message and I realized, and I'm thinking about what I've heard, I'm thinking about what, what's going on, I'm thinking about uh, 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 all the different Bible prophecies that are being fulfilled right now. You know, on Wednesday, we talked about Matthew 24, and we've always talked, talked about wars and rumors of wars and earthquakes and all these things. But all of a sudden, the warning of pestilence has a whole new meaning to it. All of a sudden, we're realizing there are pestilence out there. And, uh, you know, one of the things that I asked uh, 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 the doctor, I said, you know, before COVID, most people never heard of who. Who's who? The World Health Organization. This is the organization that is out of the United Nations. The United Nations wants a one world government. The United Nations wants to uh, 
depopulate the world. And so when you look at these things going on, you think, man, is everything out of control until you come to the word of God? And when you look at the word of God, God gives you that sound, that mind that is in control, because no matter what's going on in the world, we know who sits on the throne. Amen. Now I'm going to ask you to open your Bibles to the book of Numbers chapter 10. And as we, as we read this, I want you to think about the verse out of Joel chapter 2 verse 1. In Joel chapter 2 verse 1, God says these words, and I want you to hear it right now as it being prophetic. God says these words, blow the trumpet in Zion. Sound the alarm. You know, I, I've shared this in, in, in uh, other times that I've ministered uh, on this subject that years and years ago when my grand, my grandboys, uh, Asher and Yehuda, were asleep. They were like, I don't know, six years old or seven years old. They were, they were staying at Saba and Nana's house, and I went into their bedroom, and I brought my shofar in, and they were sound asleep, and I went, and they jumped out of their bed, and immediately they were awake. That's the purpose of this. This is why God says, blow the trumpet in Zion, sound the alarm. An alarm does basically two things. One, it wakes you up. Two, it tells you that there is danger on its way if you don't wake up. This is why we have smoke alarms and fire alarms and different things. To wake us up, let us be aware of what is going on. Now, when God says, blow the trumpet in Zion, sound the alarm... Now, this can happen at any time in any way, but right now we are in the Hebrew month of Elul. Now, I want you to realize and listen to what I'm saying. In ancient Hebrew, there's no word for. That's why Jesus said, blessed are you who have eyes to see and ears to hear. We need to see what's going on. We need to hear what God is saying. We need to see what God is saying. And here I come back from New York. Here we have the, the meeting with uh, the doctor talking about all the things that um, we're still looking to face. And right now at this time, we're in day two of the month of Elul. Now, for those of you that, forgive me if I'm being redundant, but for those of you that don't understand the month of Elul, the month of Elul is the last month on the Hebrew, on the biblical calendar. After this month, we get a new beginning. But we only get a new beginning if we've heard the alarm. So in other words, 28 days from now, God is going to get those who have eyes to see and ears to hear, God is going to give us a new beginning. Now, let me give you a little bit of history, and forgive me for those who know all this, but a lot of people don't. A little bit of history of the month of Elul. Elul took place, Israel, the Israelites have come out of Egypt. They've come out of uh, slavery. They've come out of captivity. 
about seven weeks or so after they're out of captivity, they end up at Mount Sinai. It's miracle after miracle after miracle. They, 400 years of slavery. They saw the 10 plagues. They saw Pharaoh's army drown in the parting of the sea. They've seen miracle after miracle, and they're standing at the base of Mount Sinai, and as they're standing there, they see God manifest his glory, all of Israel, sees God manifest his glory on the mountain. And God speaks out and they hear what we call today the Ten Commandments. So after this happens, God calls Moses to ascend up into the mountain where he's going to give him the, the, the two tablets. As they're, as they're up there, Moses says, I will be gone for 40 days. Now, Long story short, there's amazing teachings and all this. They miscalculate how long Moses is gone. They think he should already be back. And so they begin to become fearful that their leader is dead. God has abandoned them. And so they call for the jewelry that they brought out, the wealth of the wicked that they brought out of Egypt They call for it to be melted down, and when it's melted down, they create a golden calf to worship. God is with Moses on the mountain. God sees the people have fallen from their faith. Now, I want you to think about they've seen the miracles, They saw the parting of the sea. They saw the Nile and all the waters turn to blood. They saw the boils and the locusts and the frogs and the the flies. They've seen it all. The firstborn die and they they survived. They've seen it all. They're only 40 days away from receiving a covenant with God and they backslide. When we read this, And we go, how in the world could they backslide? And I can't help but think of America. The miracles of us winning our independence, the miracles. When we we became a nation, we were a bunch of uh, 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 woodsmen with squirrel muskets, and we defeated the greatest army in in the world, the English army. Miracle after miracle after miracle. And I declare right now that for the most part, America forgot where they came from. They forgot their God. And just like during this time of Moses being on the mountain, the people are backslid. So God sees this. God is angry. He says, go back down. We know the story of them going back down, Moses coming back down, seeing the people. Now, ancient Jewish wisdom says that God spoke to Moses on the mountain, gave him the Ten Commandments. He knew they had seen the glory of God. He knew that they heard the voice of God giving the commandments. And so when God says to Moses, they're backslid, Moses didn't believe it. He said they couldn't be backslid. They were founded as one nation under God. They're the greatest nation in the world, and they've turned their back on God. 
We've removed our Ten Commandments from our schools. We removed prayer from our schools. We've turned our back on God, and we're worshiping a golden calf. Now, here's an interesting thing is ancient Jewish asked the question, how is it that they could ingest such a short amount of time after 400 years of slavery, being set free, the miracles that they saw, how is it that they could turn their back on God? There's a, there's a teaching in ancient Jewish wisdom that says, and, and of course we've always known this, that at Mount Sinai it wasn't just um, Jews that were there. There were Gentiles that came with the Jews who saw God defeat all the Egyptian gods, and they came with them. But there was a group that came along not because they believed in the God that defeated the Egyptians' God. They're called um, uh, in Arabic, uh, Arab Rav, and it means, it means literally a mixed congregation. In other words, they came along to get on the good stuff, but they didn't really want to serve God. Now, I think of churches like that. I think of pastors like that. I went in on the good stuff, but I'm not really serving God. And so when they saw the people nervous, they got in amongst the people, and they began to stir the people up, and they convinced them to turn their back on the promise of God, to doubt God, and to build the golden calf. Now, a lot of people say that the golden calf was a symbol of Satanism and a symbol of witchcraft because if you read it along with the building of the golden calf, there was a release amongst the people. All of a sudden, it was like, how did they change so fast? But there was a, a release of immorality. There was a release of child abuse. There was a re release of uh, adultery. There was a release of um, all kinds of wickedness. And when I'm looking at that, I'm looking at our country. How did our country go when I was a kid of watching Leave it to Beaver to where in school we're allowing teachers to come in and teach if you even think that you may be a boy, we're going to have an operation for you. If you think you may be a girl, we're going to have an operation for you. Folks, that's nothing but witchcraft. That is something that they're trying to beguile the minds of our children. And we've got to understand, this is of Satan. Give me a louder amen than that, or I'll preach for two hours. I've been on vacation. We've got to understand this is witchcraft. It's the beguiling of the mind. Amen? Amen? You wonder how in the world could that happen? I asked somebody up in New York, and they said, they've been, they've been planting these seeds in our universities for years and years. And now these seeds that they've been planting, now all of a sudden these, these young people that they've been planting seeds, and now the, a lot of these young people are becoming our teachers. And so now our teachers, it's a strategy. It's the same thing of the Erev Rav. It's, the, it's the, those who look like they're for us, but they're not really for us. They're just coming along, and at the right time, they're going to come and bring uh, disloyalty to the teachings of God. We look at that, and we realize where we are today. And in so many ways, 
It looks scary, but if you really look at it, it's really exciting. Right now, now listen, if you don't hear anything else I say today, listen to this. The next 40 days, the next 40 days, if you'll have eyes to see and ears to hear, the next 40 days will change your life forever. Now, not just because I say it, because this is what's in the Word of God. You know, one of the things that is questionable is that when Moses came down and he saw the people had turned their back on God, he took the Ten Commandments and he smashed them. And a question amongst ancient Jewish wisdom is, why did Moses smash them? And one of the answers, and I really like this answer, is that when Moses saw the people had so quickly turned their back on God, and not just, oh, I'm in fear because Moses, we think Moses is late, but turned their back on God, ancient Jewish wisdom says he looked at the covenant promises of God and the words disappeared. And it was as if God was saying, my soul, the soul of my people have disappeared from my sight. And so when he saw that the promises of God were gone, he couldn't hold the tablets any longer and he dropped them and they smashed. And many rabbis say that's what happens when a people or a nation lose their soul. Your life can't hold the weight of it because your soul, your relationship with God is what comes to give you life and that life more abundant. And so we've got to understand that if we lose our relationship with God, this life is too heavy for us to carry. But when we're in the hands of God, our soul, our soul. You know, you know I, I, I was going to do a, a, a private teaching one of these Sundays. I'll just throw this out. You know, the number one prayer in all of Israel is what? The Shema. Shema Israel, Adonai Elohenu, Adonai Had. Hero Israel, the Lord, he is our God. And he is the one. In ancient Jewish wisdom, the word Israel means your soul. I told this to Tiz. I told this to Tiz when we got some bad notes. She said, pray the Shema over me. That's why I wear this bracelet all the time uh, it, with the Shema on it. The word Israel at this point means soul. So you're saying, hear soul. Here, soul, our God is almighty God. And our God is the only one that matters. Amen. Shema Israel, listen, my soul. So when, uh, when I begin to doubt or when I begin to get fearful or when I begin to think that, I say, listen, soul, our God is our, God is our God. And he is the only one that matters because he is above every other thing the devil can bring against us. I may be in this world, but I am not this world. Remember, soul, I'm serving Almighty God, and he is carrying me in the palms of his hands. What a mighty God we serve. So Moses comes down, and he breaks the tablets, but then his heart says, I love these people. So he says, I'm going to go back up. God calls him back up. For 40 more days. The beginning of Moses' second ascend up on Mount Sinai is the month of Elul. Now, why is that so important? God saw the backslidden condition of the Jews. And he says, 
I'm going to destroy them. But Moses comes and makes intercession. And for 40 days, he prays for the mercy of God. During these 40 days, it says that God moves off of his throne of judgment. And for those who hear the shofar, sits on his throne of mercy, on his throne of grace. I believe that's what's going to happen for America, is that if we will, if we will sound the alarm, if we will repent and call upon God, if we'll say, God, forgive me for being lukewarm, forgive me for being backslid, forgive me for not being bold and standing for the word of God, forgive me for these things, Lord, then God will move off the throne of judgment and he'll release the throne of mercy. Now, why are the next 40 days so important? From Friday night, for 40 days, we go through the month of Olul, blow the trumpet in Zion. This morning I got up, went outside, and blew the trumpet, blew my shofar, blew it. Say, well, pastor, do you really think something happens when you blow the shofar? Well, ancient Jewish wisdom says when the enemy, when the devil hears you blowing the shofar, he knows you're moving in faith. You know, and this is a, this is a terrible illustration. This is a terrible illustration, but Lydia and I get up every Saturday and watch old cowboy movies, right, Lydia? And when the Indians have got the, the pilgrims' wagon train surrounded and they're riding around, they're going to kill all the pilgrims, all of a sudden they hear what? And the Indians go, exit stage right. Ancient Jewish wisdom says, that when the devil hears, you blow the shofar. Now you say, well, Pastor Larry, do you really think something happens when you blow the shofar? Well, let me ask you something. Do you think something happens when you tithe? Do you think something happens when you lift up your hands and praise God? Do you? Do you think something happens when you anoint someone with oil? Do you? Why? Because we've been taught. That's what the Word of God says. But my people destroyed for what reason? Now listen to me. The weapons of our warfare are not. We battle not with. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty in God. The weapons of our spiritual warfare are not of this world. Why in the world... Does God say, when you come into my house, lift up your hands and give me praise. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Why does God say that? Because he's saying to us, I inhabit the praises of my people. This is why when you're going through a battle, you need to really put a guard on your mouth. Oh, listen to me. When you're going through something, you need to put a guard on your mouth because out of the heart, the mouth speaks. And every time, say every time, say every time, every time you speak, you create. If I could teach you nothing else, every time you speak, you create. 
because you're made in the image of God. And God said, let there be light. And God said, let there be mountains. And God said, let there be cattle. So when we say something that is in in agreement with God, we are creating that with him. But if we say something that is in agreement with Satan, we are creating that. There is life and death in the power of your the most important issue of faith most important issue of faith the bible says rejoice in the lord sometimes rejoice in the lord when you're feeling good grumpy people never get ahead or if you do get ahead you don't enjoy the journey rejoice in the lord and again i know you didn't hear me all you religious people and again i say God inhabits the praises of his people. Say, oh, pastor, you really think that happens? Have you ever sat around when you were a kid around a campfire or something and told ghost stories? What shows up? Peace? Comfort? No, fear. That's why I, I, I don't understand people who watch horror movies. I don't have to watch horror movies. I pastor a church. Why would you watch that and welcome that into your, into your, into your home? We battle not with, but we do battle with principalities, powers, and rulers of darkness in high places. And so the weapons of that warfare, if you want to win, they're not carnal. You know, Rabbi Schneerson, one of the greatest rabbis, he's with the Lord right now. Right before he died, he said, There's a, the, the Messiah is ready to come. He said, the Messiah is ready to come, except one thing has to happen first. The eyes of the Gentiles have to be open. And he said, they don't even know they're ready. But right now, God is raising, this is back in the late, mid, late 90s. He said, God is raising up a leader amongst them or leaders amongst them and they'll begin to understand Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur and Sukkot and, 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 and Feast of Tabernacles and they'll begin to understand these things. Listen, when we add to our faith their knowledge, how many believe Jesus can do anything? How many believe greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world? Okay, how many believe in electricity? But it doesn't work unless you put the plug in. You can say all you want, light, let there be, light, let there be. And, you know, I'm, I'm all far, all of a sudden, ooh, light comes in. But it's really, you know, light, let there be, plug in the electricity. God has given us, and I'm going to share this next week. It's going to blow your mind. In the end times, divine supernatural wisdom divine i'll share this next week divine supernatural wisdom so in the last days our eyes will be open god says blow the trumpet in zion well he doesn't really mean blow the trumpet does he really mean lay hands on the sick and they will recover does he really mean that yeah does he really mean rejoice in the lord always and again i say rejoice, rejoice. yeah he means that well let's let's go from 
For, you know, I, I was teaching, Scotty and I, one time we were in a, in a television studio in Illinois, and I was teaching this, and I remember the host, very famous, w- great preacher, he comes and said, you know what? He said, why don't we know these things? He said, Christianity's been a mile wide and an inch deep. God wants to take us deeper into the mysteries. This is why they came to Jesus and said, why do you talk in parables? And he said, because it's not for them to know the mysteries. It's for you to know the mysteries. So when God says, blow the trumpet in Zion, sound the alarm. When you blow that trumpet, I got up and blew it over my neighborhood. I got up and blew it over. Am I out? Uh, I thought maybe you're going to sing a solo here. Testing, testing. What? What? Yeah, the whole system's out? Let there be sound. And it was good. Pastor, am I, am I on still? Where did you lose me? When, when I talked about the miracle of giving me a birthday present, did you lose me there? Where... Testing one, two. Am I on? Am I on? Am I on? All right. So where was I? Blowing the shofar. So when God says, so I got up this morning and I blew the shofar. Well, Pastor, why did you do that? Because God said to do it. To sound the alarm, to let the enemy know. I know what I know what you're doing. Now watch where I'm going with this. I know what you're doing, but I know what's about to happen. Now, let, let, me, let me condense this. What do you mean, Pastor, what's about to happen? This ties in with the, the next 40 days. If you pay attention, it'll change your life forever. Okay? Now, the Bible says that the, the, the holy days in the Bible are a shadow of things to come. Okay? They're a shadow of things to come. And I'll show you next week. That shadow... The word in Hebrew there is, means God's shadow, and it also means divine wisdom. Divine wisdom. How do I, how do I, how do I get the end time wealth transferred into my hands? How do I, what do I need to do to move Tiz towards her? And Katie, God gave Katie a word. We're not believing. Am I off again? Testing one. You can hear me? Okay, I'm coming down here. Am I on? Yeah. All right. Well, I'll just yell real loud. So how do I move? God gave Katie a word. Let's quit praying for healing on mom. Let's pray for a cure. Okay. And, you know, that sounds like a light thing. And in, in being treated with cancer, they never say, this is it. But with this brand new thing that came up and Tis being the first one, they did everything but say, this is it. And so there's power in us obeying what the word of God says. There's power in that. So I would advise you every day this this next 40 days, am I out again? Every day is to blow the shofar. It lets the enemy know, I, I see what you, and I understand you're, you're going to try and bring COVID back. I understand you're trying to bring the bird flu back. I understand you're trying to do this. I understand you're trying to turn America's back on Israel. I understand what you're doing on that. And let me just throw something in. 
Did you, do you know that it's against the law of the Constitution, Troy, if I say this right, against the law of the Constitution for us to give power to any foreign government? Okay, but Biden's trying to sign a treaty right now that if another bird flu or COVID hits, we're turning our sovereignty of our nation over to the World Health Organization. Can you believe that? That's treason, folks. That's treason. So I understand when I blow that so far, devil, I understand I understand what you're trying to do, but I understand what's about to happen. Now, let me show you this. The Bible says the high holidays or the holidays of the Lord are a shadow of things to come. And that word shadow means the power of God and the wisdom of God. I'll talk about that next week. A shadow of things to come. So when the day of Passover came, that's the same day when they were at the temple and they they killed the Passover lamb at that very moment, not around there, not within a few days, not a week or so. At that very moment, Jesus became the Passover lamb forever. Amen. At the very moment, the Passover office, since Egypt, when Israel was coming out of Egypt and he said, take the blood of the lamb and put it on the doorpost of your house, that's the first Passover. And he said, do this forever. Do this forever. So at that very moment, the shadow became the real thing. Are we in agreement? Do you, you see what I'm saying? And then 50 days later, what happened? 50. It's a hint. Pentecost. That's what 50 means, Pentecost. So in the book of Acts, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, not on the 51st day, not on the 49th day, not on the 40th day, not on the 55th day, on the exact moment, in which God gave the world, the Bible, the Torah, God gave the Holy Spirit the strength to live according to that Torah, exactly the same time. So when you look at the month of Elul, 40 days, blow the trumpet in Zion and sound the alarm. The alarm for what? The only thing that hasn't happened yet is the rapture, the second coming, and the wedding supper of the Lamb, right? Now, we know that when the rapture takes place, those who have eyes to see, those who have ears to hear are not going to be caught unaware. We know he's going to come as a thief in the night. He's going to, you know, but that's for those who aren't paying attention. But when we see, as Matthew says, the birth pangs, wars, rumors of wars, Russia, Ukraine, Israel, Syria, all these other things happen, and, and natural disasters, and now pestilence. These are a birth pang. How many of you women have had a, had a baby? Raise your hand. Did you, did you know it was going to happen? It's not like you're walking up, what the heck is that? Where did that come from? Now, I will admit that with Luke... What's that? All right. Can you hear me anyway? That's not on, is it? It's the whole system. It's the devil trying to hold me back, but he can't, he can't hold me back. And so when, when, when Luke was born, we ignored the signs. We, igno we ignored the signs. 
you know, Tiz called and said, oh, I'm ha I was out of town. Oh, I'm having this. Oh, and I got back. No, I'm okay. Next thing I'm getting a phone call from, from Anna, who was three years old. Daddy. I said, Anna, what are you doing? She said, Mommy's having a baby. When? Right now. Who's, who's there? Me and Mommy. We, we birthed Luke at home. Not with a midwife. Me and the assistant pastor. A pot of boiling water, which is absolutely useless, a pocket knife, and a shoestring. As soon as she, I mean, we come in and Luke's peeking at the world. I go, go boil water. We've got the water. What, what, what do we do with it now? The, doc, the doctor calls. He said, I hear you're having a baby. I said, what do I do? He said, call me when it's over. So we birthed, we birthed through, the, the, they called the ambulance and the police were out there and fire trucks and, and police cars. I'm sure the neighbors go, she finally killed him. <laughs> we, we, we knew it would happen. He deserves it. I don't know, we were, this, this is New Mexico and I don't know if you ever seen New Mexico Highway Patrol. God love them, man. They are, they're all, look like they're all giants. They all wear black, look like they're, you know, like the black knights and everything. And we're living in a little mobile home and we're, I'm pulling Luke out. This police officer walks in and goes. <laughs> <laughs> he, he waited outside. When the rapture comes, you don't want to be waiting outside. You want the Lord to be waiting outside. So when Passover hit exactly, shadow of things, Pentecost, Shavuot hit exactly, look at the 40 days. It's not going to catch us unaware. Birth pangs. Oh, man, something. We got to get the bag packed. We got to get to make sure the, the car's full of gas, right? Okay, then comes after the 30 days of Elul, then we go into Rosh Hashanah. Now, I believe in all my heart Rosh Hashanah is the rapture. Because it happened exactly on Passover. It happened exactly on Shavuot, Pentecost. These are all a shadow of things to come. The shadow of Almighty God. And so the 40 days of Elul, wake up, wake up, wake up. If, I didn't literally mean wake up. Sorry about that, sir. Um, You know, whenever I travel, the last thing Tiz says, I'm walking out the door, says, behave yourself. <laughs> you know, the last few years, she stopped saying that. It's, it's too late. It's, it's, it's died in the wool. And so I believe that after the blowing of the shofar, wake up, God's saying, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up, because we're getting ready for the rapture. Now, we say this every year, but I can guarantee you, we're one year closer to the rapture than we were this time last year. Okay, then after Rosh Hashanah comes seven days. After the rapture, how many years of tribulation? Seven. And listen to me, you don't want to be here for that. Say, so, well, Pastor, will people be saved during the seven years of tribulation? Yes, they will. But for the most part, you're going to have to die for your faith because the Antichrist will make sure of it. The one world government will make sure of it. The one world economy will make sure of it. Where unless you have a COVID card or the mark of a beast, you'll not buy or you'll not sell. 
Say, well, that'll never happen. They already did that during COVID in New Zealand. You couldn't buy any. The voice of Almighty God. You couldn't buy anything. And so when you, when you look at this, you think 40 days, 30 days of Elul, wake up. Wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up. And it's my job to tell you to wake up. It's your job to turn to your neighbor and say, wake up. Something's about to happen. After the seven days comes the second coming. That's Yom Kippur. That's the day of atonement. That's when everything is done. And then after the day of atonement comes Sukkot, the wedding supper of the Lamb. Now, I might be wrong. But if you look at it, how wonderful is our God that he lets us know these things are about to happen. You know, celebrating the resurrection of Jesus doesn't sneak up on us. We know it every year. The day of Pentecost doesn't sneak up on us. We know it every year, every year. Time to get refilled, time to get, get the power and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's the same thing with the rapture. God's not a bad God. He's not going to go, <laughs> and we miss it. No, he's blown like I did with Asher and Yehuda. Blown, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up. Now, so what I'm saying is, and let me, let me close with this in the next five minutes. What I'm saying is, is that if the rapture takes place in about 28 days from now, which you possibly could. You look at all the Bible prophecy. You look at everything that's happening. The Bible says once Israel becomes a nation, 1948, there's one generation left. I believe I'll see the rapture. If the rapture takes place, if we're right, and it takes place on Rosh Hashanah, 28 days from now or something like that, are you ready to go? Are you asleep in the light? Are you ready to go? But let's say, Pastor Larry, what if the rapture doesn't take place? Something still that will change your life forever takes place on that day. On the day of the rapture, before God welcomes us into heaven, he opens the book of life. And he says, is Larry's name in there? Is Tiz's name in there? Is Scotty's name in there? Lydia's name in there? And he looks at it, and, and, and if we're in that book of life, and without getting into too much detail, I'll get into a little more next week, there are actually three books. There's the book of the unsaved, there's the book of the lukewarm, and then there's the book of those who are serving God. If, you're, if the rapture doesn't take place, then on Rosh Hashanah, God determines the depth of your blessing for the whole next year. Now, if the rapture takes place, we're rewarded according to what we did and didn't do. Right? I mean, there's going to be some people going to heaven, and they really are going to be in a cabin in the, <laughs> in the corner of heaven because they're going to go before heaven and God's going to look at him and go, you know, you made it in, you received Jesus as your Savior, but you didn't do nothing. You, 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 you weren't a candle that lit the light, and you weren't a mirror that reflected the light. You're saved. Come on in. 
I guess somebody's got to clean the streets of gold. But there's no reward. Am I telling you the truth? The Bible says that when the Lord comes, he comes with our eternal reward according to what we did and didn't do. Not salvation. We're saved by grace. But we're awarded according to what we've done and we haven't done. So let's say the rapture doesn't take place in 28 days. Then God opens the book and he determines what kind of reward he's going to give you for the next year. Now our first fruits and all and our and our and our taking care of the widow's offerings adds to that. But he's really going to look at what we've done up until this point. So that's why he blows the trumpet for 40 days and says, "Come on, come on, wake up. I know you've been busy. I know you've been doing this and that, but you know what? You're the light of the world." Lord, when did we feed the hungry, clothe the naked, Take care of the widows. When you've done it to the least of these, you've done it unto me. So he gives us 40 days to wake up. Let me close with this. In the, maybe I can find a picture to show you next week. But the Bible says the cornerstone of the temple. If you've gone to the western wall, if you've gone to Jerusalem, you've gone to the southern steps, they've removed the real one, but they put a replica there of the chief cornerstone and we think a lot of time the chief cornerstone is the corner of the bottom but in the temple the chief cornerstone is the is the corner of the wall that connects the western wall to the southern wall and it juts out over israel and on yom kippur the high priest would stand up there and and people around Jerusalem would hear it. And they go, you know, they didn't have clocks. They didn't really have calendars. They go, we're, get, we're getting close to Rosh Hashanah. This is when God opens the windows of heaven and wants to pour out a blessing. And so they would say, we need to make sure we're helping someone. We're making sure we're making the world a better place. But then they would grab their shofar and turn from the temple and go, because those who were further away hadn't heard. And then those down the valley or those in the hills would hear it and go, they're getting ready. God's getting ready to bless us. He's getting ready to release the greatest blessing. And they would grab their shofar and go, and they would blow because the teaching is you're never truly blessed until you let others know about the blessing and the goodness of God. If there's ever been a time for us to let America and the world know, our God is an awesome God. Our God's ways are way above our ways, and his thoughts are way beyond our thoughts. Let's come back to what made America great again. It's a holy nation, and it's a holy nation because we are under a mighty God. Can I have an amen? If you believe that, would you give the Lord a clap offering as we close? I'd like to have every head bowed and every eye closed. No one's looking around. And just in your seat where you are, you'd say, Pastor Larry, you know what? I love the Lord. I I do. Or I believe in the Lord. I really do. But I have to say that I'm not really being the light of the world or even a mirror 
that reflects the light. And God is speaking to you right now because he loves you more than, he loves you more than any man can describe to you. He loves you so much that he sent his only begotten son to die for us when we didn't even know who he was. Maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor, I've never been saved or I have been saved, but you know, I'm, I'm, I'm be honest with you, I've kind of become a little lukewarm and I feel my spirit waking up and I want to be a part of what God is doing. I want to receive the rewards of serving God. I don't want to miss out on what God has for me. So as every head is bowed, every eye is closed, no one's looking around. If you're here or you're watching around the world, you'd say, Pastor Larry, would you remember me in prayer? I hear the sound of the shofar, and God is waking my spirit up. Would you pray for me? If this is you, would you lift your hand up all over the building and just hold it there while I see it? And I want to release a certain special blessing on you. I see that hand, 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 keep it up, that hand, 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 that hand. That hand, that hand, that hand, that hand, that hand, that hand. God bless you. Would you give these, that hand, God bless you. Would you give these people a great big clap offering of encouragement and love? Would you stand with me all over the, all over the building? You know, I really believe we can make America godly again. But, but look at me. Judgment starts in the house of God it starts with us and we need to understand that our God is such a great God our God is such a good God that he takes the time to tell us blow the trumpet in Zion sound the alarm sound the alarm how many feel like in your spirit you heard the alarm today and say it's time to get serious now you know what Let's say in 28 days, the rapture takes place. You know, we talk about it all the time. We talk about it all the time. Someday, it's really going to happen. It's not the dripping faucet where we get used to it. We are closer to the rapture, in, in my opinion, than we can even imagine. Look at everything that's going around. Look at the preparation for one world government, one world economy, one world leader, one world religion. And God is saying, wake up. But here's what I say to us. If the rapture doesn't take place on Rosh Hashanah, our best is yet to come. Because we're going out a glorious bride. We're not going out limping. We're not going out moaning and complaining. We're going out with a shout because I read the end of the book and we're going out a glorious church. Can I take your neighbor's hands across the building? Lift them up. Lift them up as a sign of unity and say these with me. Say it out loud. Say, Father, I come to you right now in the name of Jesus. I know I've sinned. We've all sinned. But I know this. You love me so much you sent Jesus Christ 
to pay the price in full for all my sin. Right now, I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. Now say this with authority. Satan, get out of my life. Get out of my home. Get out of my family. Get out of my finances. Get out of my future. I declare in the name and by his blood, every curse is broken and every blessing is released. Not someday, but today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Now look at me. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Look at me. 28 days or whatever it is from now is Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah, God is going to open the book. Now, what do we do to prepare for it? We're here for one reason, to be the light of the world. Hold on a second. We're here for one reason, to be the light of the world. We're here to reflect the goodness and the blessings of God. That's why we're here, right? Now, I'm going to give you a chance to tikkun olam, to repair a broken world. I just got an email the other day. You know, we have an orphanage in Haiti. And you know what? These stingy orphans, they want to eat every day. They want to have clothes every day. And we've had, how long, John, how long have we had the orphanage down there? 14 years or something like that. And when those babies came in, some of them were one, two, three years old. Now they're 14, 15. We keep new babies in. So their school season's getting ready to start. And so it's like $50 per child. We need like $3,000. Now we've got the $3,000. But you know what would be a great way to hear the blowing of the shofar? Is you chipped in. A great way to say, you know what? These kids don't even have parents, but they have us. And they have us because we have Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And so, you know what? They, they need, we built them an orphanage. And, you know, but you know the thing about orphans? They're still orphans 15 years later, 14 years later. Now some of them are graduating from high school. They're going into the workforce. We're bringing others in. And we've got the 3,000 or 4,000, whatever it is, for their school clothes, their shoes and stuff. We're not even talking about makeup and perfume for the kids. We've got that. But it'd be great if you say, you know what, Pastor, I want to, here's 50 bucks, here's 100 bucks, here's 1,000 bucks. I want to take care of an orphan. Lord, when did we feed you? When did we clothe you? When did we do that? When you've done it to the least of these, you've done it unto me. And one other thing, did y'all see what happened in Maui? We've got dear, dear friends in Maui. We, you know, back when we lived in, in Oregon, it rains 13 months out of the year in Oregon. And so come January, February, Tiz and I had a little apartment there and we go to, so we've got friends there. We got, I've preached there so many times and we're probably going to work, partner with Franklin Graham and send something. So say, Pastor Larry, I'd like to give something towards Maui to these people that in a blink of an eye lost everything. I mean, everything. And so this is not a coincidence. God says, don't worry about what you're going to eat, where you're going to sleep, what you're going to wear, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and an act of right, an act of charity. And so we've got people who lost everything in, in Maui. We've got our kids down in 
in uh, Haiti. This is a great time, plus 50,000 meals a month to our kids in Africa. This is a great time. And I never ask you for money. And I never, I never, I never say, well, we need this. We got to have this. We got to have that. But this is a great time for you to hear the blowing of the shofar. So as you leave, as you leave, and you give your tithes, you give your offerings, ask God, God, what would you have me give? Because 28 days from now, he's going to open the windows of heaven. And every time God's getting ready to bless you, he first gives you an opportunity to be a blessing. Father, I pray over this. I pray over our kids. I pray over our friends and in people that we don't know in Maui. I pray over our kids in, in Zimbabwe. Father, and I pray over our, your people. Let them hear what you're saying and see what you're doing. And Father, thank you for letting us be a part of repairing a broken world. We give you all the praise and all the glory in the name of Jesus. And all God's people said, one more thing, one more thing. This Wednesday, we have ex-Congressman Alan West, Colonel Alan West, that uh, is going to be here with us. He's a brilliant, brilliant man. He's really working with the borders and protecting our state. I want to invite you to come out. Wednesdays, we are, we're, we're doing biblical, political citizenship biblical political citizenship so come out for that on friday august 25th we're going to meet here at 10 a.m at the church come and be a part of this and we're going to go to the va hospital and we're going to be a part of feeding the veterans the homeless veterans and saying thank you to them for giving us one nation under god i love you pray for tears we'll see you wednesday god bless amen god bless love you guys